you are, it seems, a man of many skills. A rare combination. Welcome to Local Greats Episode 6 on this sunny Thursday morning in Glendale, California. My boy Jibo. What's up, Jibo? What's poppin'? So he's a little closer than he was last time. Yeah, I mean, I think we still got six feet here. Minimum, yeah. Yeah, minimum. How you doing, bro? Yeah. I'm good, man. Good. Weather's nice. You have a new baby? New baby, you know. You haven't been here since the baby, Chad. I mean, you have been, but we haven't recorded anything yeah we haven't recorded anything we haven't really recorded anything now baby's good business is good um you know just adjusting to the to the new one i just heard you guys on ryan's roses one of your guys was on ryan's roses i mean we weren't on ryan's roses we were on kiss fm <laughs> Kiss FM. yeah they give us a little 60 second plug um Gary was on live with them, so it was it was nice of them. I think Postmates and Kiss FM did a nice partnership together, and they were looking at some of their high-performing restaurants, so they gave us a good opportunity. They gave us a 60-second plug, which I'm sure is going to affect business in the next few days, so it's good. It's good. That's great, man. Yeah, I can't what's complain. The, what's the program? They're just trying to help out local businesses that are... Yeah, yeah. They're trying to help out businesses that have suffered from this whole pandemic, um, which is super cool. So I think they gave like uh, $10, $50 gift cards for Brick and Flower. And I think they're doing this every day with a different restaurant. So it's nice. I haven't listened to Kiss FM in a long time. Yeah, I haven't listened to Kiss FM in like five, six years. But I mean, people on their morning commute, hey, man. Yeah. Well, half the country, well, <laughs> not half. 80% of the workforce is supposed to be back. Is that right? I don't know if it's back. I know... Um, a lot of people are still working from home. I know Twitter, the Twitter employees now, they have the option to work from home and not just during the pandemic, even after everything opens up. I was reading about that. The CEO was like, you know what? Work from home for however long you want. It's okay. You want to come into the office? Sure. You want to work from home? Great. I think mean, that's pretty cool. What, what does a job at Twitter look like? That's a good question. Probably. What are they doing? <laughs> they, they can do it from Probably. Home. Probably sorting tweets to not release anything offensive or... They look like my kids on the couch. <laughs> They're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, everything's good, man. It was it was a nice plug. It was a nice thing from them. I think, I think that's great what they're doing. It didn't cost us anything. I'm sure they're not charging restaurants for the little plug. I mean, it's 60 seconds, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a really good effect. Uh, on business for everybody well i just finished reading that operation nemesis book operation nemesis yeah uh, can i yeah. tell you a little bit about it man please do please do because um i've just been looking for somebody to talk to about this book <laughs> um, i'm all ears yeah like i finished reading it and i'm feeling super armenian right now that's like, great my roots are fully nourished Who's the book by? Who wrote it? Eric Pogosian. Eric Pogosian. And that Armenian uh, actor. Which he one? He was in Under Siege 2. I don't know why I always... Co <laughs> with Steven Seagal. Because, you know, we grew up on Steven Seagal and Van Damme. Yeah, let's not start with Steven Seagal. Well, I'm going to have Vartan on the show so we can discuss in depth one of those movies. We don't know if we should do Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude Van Damme yet. What about Mel Gibson? No, man. That guy's not on the same level as those guys. What those, were those uh, those they movies? They kick everybody's ass. <laughs> the movies that we used to talk about, make fun about with Mel Gibson. 
Was it Mel Gibson? Yeah. Mel Mel Gibson in the in the the black dude. <clears throat> oh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Oh, I love the Lethal, lethal weapon. weapon. That's not even anything to make fun of. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> when you when you at the time when when it first came out, I'm sure people were like, "Man, this is some good action." Now they're Hell like, "Yeah, yeah." But like now, when you look back on it, you're like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> it's like Fast and the Furious now. Yeah, Fast and the Furious, terrible. Awesome. But uh, but yeah, get back to the book, man. Let's, let's not, see what you got. So you don't want me to talk about Bloodsport? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. Definitely okay, not yet. Okay, so um, I finished reading this one, and as soon as I finished reading it, it ends on a note. It talks about this guy, Mister Five Percent, Kalus something. I'll, I'll get his name. Yeah, he's like, he gets five percent of all oil trades and stuff in the Middle East. He brokered a deal between the new Turkey and uh, the Allied nations after the war. Uh, he's Armenian? He's Armenian, living okay. in London. His dad was a wealthy merchant from Istanbul. Interesting. So he's a big dude. I just ordered the book. I can't wait for that. But yeah, this one is... Um, let me see. Hold, hold on. This this guy was in this Operation Nemesis book too? No, he he's in the book because yeah. they're talking about... Well, he's in the book at the end when they mention all the armenians in the forefront of history and how they relate back to the ottoman empire oh, okay so it was an interesting way to end the book eric pogosian was also in the promise and he was recently in successions on he, hbo he's very like he's the one that looks like anthony bourdain yeah 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 cool yeah, I, I, checked I have it, a newfound respect for him he's from watertown massachusetts in the beginning of the book he says my grandpa Mugerditch <laughs> used to set me on his lap and tell me stories. And then he would have a glass of Arag. <laughs> Arag. Vodka. Yeah. I and mean, he would Massachusetts. Say, he says, anytime you see a Turk, make sure you kill him. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. That's just probably like an old man mentality. Yeah, and it was back in the like 40s and 50s where mm. this was just fresh. He yeah. had escaped from there. Fresh wounds. Yeah. So I was reading this book. It's about the Operation Nemesis. This is the plot that avenged the Armenian genocide. So the the Dashnaknet, uh, the Armenian uh, Revolutionary Federation of Armenia, yeah, went after all of the perpetrators of the genocide. Basically, when the new government of Turkey came into place, not the Ottoman Empire, Kemal Pasha or Kemal Ataturk, yeah. he gave himself a last name. They didn't have last names prior to this, by the way, the Turks. And um, so they tried those people, like Talat Pasha. Like the lieutenants, the captains, on, generals. Enver Pasha, Jamal Pasha, all those guys, plus... There was Armenians involved. Uh, basically, the traders. guys that, that plotted all this stuff. Yeah. So those guys were tried in abstentia, which means they were out of the country. They seeked refuge in different countries. Somebody, One of them was in like Georgia. Talat was in Berlin. The Germans took him in. Uh, this is basically like uh, um, the Nazis, right? How Nazis went into different countries yeah, and trying yeah. to escape, and they built their own villages. Right. and Yeah. Uh, so it's similar situation. Well, they had the Nuremberg trials where they were all yeah, found guilty, right? Yeah. And so these guys were found guilty as well, but they were in a different country, and that was just all for show. They were found guilty in the Ottoman Empire in Turkey, but but no. there was plans for them to come back in a few years, you know. So there was really no um 
no real punishment. No. So that's why these guys took it upon themselves to get stuff done. Mm. The main guy that they talk about is Solomon Talerian. Talerian. He's pretty he's a pretty interesting character. There's a few other Arshavir Yerenian, I think his name is. That guy's really interesting. He he thinks he's a superhero. Whereas the other guy is just really pissed off and he needs to get shit done. He just get smile. revenge. Yeah. And at the trial, he said, I'm, I killed a man, but I'm not a murderer. Yeah. You know? 1.5 million Armenians were massacred, right? And I did my little bullshit conservative math. And um, there should be at least 30 million of us. If you go through the generations, it's like every 20 years. And what are we now? We're at somewhere between 8 to 11 million worldwide. Yeah, that's, that's insane to me, man. You know, that's really yeah. crazy. But it, but then again, you know what I think about? Um, things for Armenia maybe would have been a lot, a lot different uh, if the genocide didn't happen, right? Maybe we would have, um, economy would have been better, corruption would have been different. I mean, it's all hard there's to a tell, mi- right? Yeah, there's a million yeah. what ifs. Yeah, exactly. But this is the card we're dealt, so we got to deal with it. And we've always somehow, some way persevered. Even the guy that created the Turkish alphabet, yeah. was Armenian. In like 1929, the Ataturk, he wanted to completely change their alphabet just so you couldn't read their or translate their history. Wow. So if you look back at the Ottoman Empire's history, it's hard to transcribe what happened in those last 40, 50 years just because of the phonetics and just the way the alphabet had changed. Hayagre. So basically, they just try to bury as much as they can yeah. of, of, of evidence, right? Well, if you go to the natural history, if you go to their museum, the Turkish museum in uh, Istanbul, yeah, there's no mention of Armenians ever being part of them. Like Armenians played a huge role in the Ottoman Empire and, and Greeks and Azeris, I think. But if you go to their museum, we don't exist. Yeah, I think uh, there was also letters from journalists, right, uh, during this whole genocide that was sent to the U.S. I believe there's like newspaper cuttings of it and how um, well, people... If, well, if you look, if if you read the book, uh, there's a lot of mentions of the New York Times co- covering it. Yeah. A lot of newspapers around the world were covering the genocide. It yeah. wasn't like it didn't happen. Yeah. When the World War ended, that's when things got a little muddy. America didn't even have a say in anything after the war was over because they never formally declared war on Turkey Mm. or the Ottoman Empire. So once it was done, the Allies were trying to figure out and split up the region within themselves because of the oil. America, that's why America didn't get a say in anything. They never formally declared war on the Ottomans. But they did have diplomats. They did have... uh, different people throughout the world stationed in Istanbul because it was the center of the world at the time. Mm. You know? So so during this time, uh, they essentially were trying to assassinate or, or get revenge on uh, some of the heads that got away from committing the genocide, right? All of them, yeah. yeah. And they even killed a few of the traitors that, uh, that got Armenians gathered up and rounded up. There was a few leaders that got the whole community together, told them to come to church, come to this thing, knowing full well what was going to happen. Mm. Maybe not to the extent that it did happen. Maybe they thought they were just going to be deported, but they did help gather the people. So a few of those guys were assassinated as well. 
Actually, th- th- before Talat Pasha was assassinated by Solomon, he killed one of those guys. Wow. So, and what's the what's the time duration of this? Like, is, is it a two to five years they got this done, or yeah. is it a? It, w- it happened between 1920 and 1922. Oh, so two years. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. As I was reading the book and I was listening to the audio book, I actually got the audio book first. I got the hard copy because I want to go back and reference certain things. Yeah. Dude, it was playing out like a Guy Ritchie, Quentin Tarantino movie. It was like watching Inglorious Bastards, but like the real guys. These guys are the real life Avengers. Can you imagine the the emotions they're going through trying to get this get this done for themselves and for their people? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it comes out in the book too, man. Wow, that's crazy, man. I think um, some of them had statues made, right, of them in Fresno. I think I think there's something uh, in well, Fresno. Solomon, yeah, he has one in. It's the eagle with a snake in his mouth, and that's where that's where his graveyard is. Gravesite. Wow. wow, that's impressive, man. Pretty yeah. legit, man. Where could we get the book? Well, I got it on Amazon. Amazon? Operation yeah. Nemesis? Yeah, and I got the book through iTunes, the audiobook. Nice. Whoever's Good. listening, go check it out. Yeah. By Eric Bogosian. The reason I wanted to talk about that was, um, I don't want to give him too much credit, but that piss ant, Kurt Metzger. Who is, who is this guy? Uh, he's a comedian. He said, he said something about... Is the genocide should have happened? Oh, or? this is the guy where they were doing the Zoom meeting, right? With yeah. some four amateur comedians. Yeah, is that what they are? Yeah, that's what I consider them if they say things like that. Never <laughs> was. Is there not even has been? There never was. Never is. was is. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah, yeah. I remember we talked about this a few weeks ago. I, actually, was it a few weeks ago that they came out with the video? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's it was terrible. around the genocide, I think. Yeah, it's an insult to comedians to even call this guy a comedian. Because I've been watching and listening to stand-up comedy since Rosie O'Donnell was hosting Stand-Up Spotlight on VH1. Yeah, there's just there's just limits. I mean... He's just an unfunny basket of nothing. Yeah. It's, like, it's an empty basket sitting there. Yeah, and also if you don't even know about Armenians and the Turks and what happened and all that stuff, what are you, what are you doing? He brought on some guy... And he said this guy was Armenian. <laughs> Bring me on. He's like, see, I have an Armenian friend. I can say these things. No, you can't, shithead. Yeah, that doesn't matter. You can't say that shit. Unbelievable, man. He said we're wearing his uh, patience then. We're wearing his patience then? Yeah, because everybody's just been attacking him. You know what? Somebody's going to knock the shit out of him one day when they see him an Armenian dude. You yeah, know, I think so too. I think that's going to happen. I think he lives in LA. Yeah, like, you know how heavy we I are I hope here? they don't though, you know? He's just... I hope they do. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm excited to get this new book, man. The Mr. 5%. I'm really looking forward to that. Is, is, it, like a, is it like a Rockefeller type of thing? Yeah. In the Middle East, yeah. basically? Oh, that should be exactly, interesting. dude. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know about that. that that's so, cool, definitely. And also, that gets me to present-day Armenians. Um, I watched Honest Thieves on Amazon the other day. Yeah. I bought it. It was like 25 bucks. I, I never see anything on Amazon video for 25 bucks. It's just this thing that we do, right? We look at it like 25 bucks. But I had In-N-Out sitting in front of me that cost $28. <laughs> 
So I was yeah. like, hell yeah, I'm going to get this. Of course I'm going to get this. I got it and I enjoyed it that night and I enjoyed it the next day. It's very well written. Who's, so uh, who's it by? Gorky Rakosian. Oh, he's the, Did he's... I say his name right? <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy from the Demp, Demp shows and the yeah, productions, yeah, right? Yeah. Demp Davo and Levon and what? Aram MP3. Why don't you uh, give us a little summary of it without spoiling it though because i'm not good at not spoiling things okay. it's just it's just very funny there's a <laughs> lot of like funny little things that happen throughout i like the way he makes his movies and this was very funny after i finished that one i started watching lost and found in armenia which uh, was in 2012 again he made that with a uh, oh, thing jamie kennedy uh, jamie and kennedy angela safarian i told you in the beginning of this my armenian roots are feeling very very nourished yeah i could feel it man you know i can feel saying? the vibes You said it, didn't you? <laughs> It's a vibe, bro. <laughs> hey, can, I, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah, of course. How many people do you think um, are making this whole coronavirus thing about themselves? Like, only me. This would only happen to me. My wedding would get canceled. My engagement. Would get <laughs> I yeah. bought a house and we can't have people over. Only me. Only me. We just had a baby. Me, me, me. And nobody could come see him. This would only happen during me. You, me. you know, let me tell you one thing uh, about this virus. There's a lot of people that are out there that are like doing good, um, doing a lot of donations to the healthcare workers and so on and so forth. I mean, I think that's really, really amazing. Uh, what I don't think is, ama is amazing is when um, they do that, they record it, they post it consistently you know I, i like to do things in silence i don't talk about what we donate what i donate who i donate donated to i don't think that's the point of it um i think if you're gonna do something good it's not necessary to record it but i'm okay with people recording it you know why as long as the, if that's what's getting you to do something good i'm all about it record more and do more i get that's it I but say. But at the same time, it's like maybe some people are doing it just for the video, you know? I, maybe. I don't know, man. But I have I have mixed feelings about it. It just depends on how you're doing it and how you're donating it and who you're doing it for. Um, I don't know if, if anybody knows, like, Kirk Kerkorian, you know? That guy was a billionaire, basically. And he had donated so much money to different organizations and charities and, and all these other things. But he never talked about it. If he was invited to a donation, um, get together or whatever it was, he never pulled up in a limo to the front. He was always came through the back. I mean, he did the things differently. I I think um, I'm gonna the, pull up in a limo, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be on the yacht. <laughs> yeah, but not while you're donating to. I'm not gonna drive. I'm not gonna to drive a Jeep. Kids. I'm not gonna drive an old Jeep <laughs> like he did. Not gonna, gonna happen. You're gonna not, pull up in a PJ in a limo to yeah. a, to a orphanage. Orphanage. <laughs> There's a fine line between humble and just homeless, and I'm not trying to be homeless. Bro. You're not trying to be homeless. No. <laughs> But yeah, no. I mean, I I get your point. I see what you're saying. Oh, I don't mind it though. I don't mind the people that are doing it just for sure. I, I guess you're right. As long as somebody's benefiting, as long as they're doing it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I see your point, but I don't know. I like to do things It's, different. It, um, I was I was watching Jerry Seinfeld's that latest stand-up. He's like, 
all this time, he's like, I got married at 45. He's like, all this time, I didn't know there was something wrong with my tone. <laughs> so it's like, when I got married, I realized that there's something wrong with my tone. <laughs> Maybe the approach isn't great the way they're doing it, but as long as they're doing it, I don't, I, I'm sure the people that are receiving the help aren't saying, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm I know sure why you're not. doing this. Yeah. As long as they're getting it right. As long as people are being helped, whatever your motivation in life is, you know? Yeah. True. True. Hey, have you heard this song? What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like stockin'. This is the jam, man. I'ma spend this holiday logging. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in the friend zone. Alright, that's enough of that. <laughs> Who's that? Jack Harlow? Is that what his name is? It sounds nice. Oh yeah? I don't nope. <laughs> Um, I actually wanted to talk about uh, the new Al Capone movie that's coming out starring Tom Hardy. There's an Al Capone movie coming out? Yep, I think it's the fifth or sixth one about Al Capone. America has an obsession with gangster movies and the mob and so on and so forth. I mean, I think I don't get me wrong. I love I love those movies, too. You're part of the obsession. I am part of the obsession. I like Godfather. I, I love Godfather. Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas, Casino. Casino is probably one of my top movies man really yeah casino i i like the first half of goodfellas a uh, casino is amazing yeah. yeah casino's amazing man joe pesci <laughs> just like the irishman cgi murdered that movie i'm gonna say it again if yeah you, it's i'm just, gonna repeat myself a lot if you don't know me yeah i think i think with these mob movies i think the obsession is like these guys taking these risks with uh, the danger that's involved and then Doing all of this and then turning into informant and and doing all this other stuff. The Al Capone storyline is actually interesting because they couldn't really arrest him for any of the crimes that he was necessarily committing. The murders, um, the loan sharking, the bootlegging and all that stuff. I think what they eventually got him on was just tax evasion. Mm. Yeah, so they got him on tax evasion, which was super interesting. But I mean, I think it's going to be a good movie. I think it's coming out soon this year. But I, I just think it's interesting how we all have like a little mob obsession in us and, and gangster movies and so on and so forth. Yeah, Armenians like that shit. Armenians love that, that shit. shit up. We need to make our own. Yeah, they. Exactly. I mean, we do. Uh, you haven't seen some of these terrible ones that's been made? Oh, Serial Nereta, Kino Nereta. Serial Nereta, Kino Nereta. I don't know, man. <laughs> we need to do better, you know? Well, the culture needs to step up. And I think people like Gore are really helping out. Yeah, I think so too, man. We I just need so more of that. I just think we need to... Um, Really, really step it up, make better films, and and not just make films just for the Armenian community. I mean, some of these films we could probably make and produce, and we could send them to all these little small film festivals. We have great, we have great stories to tell. Great stories. I mean, I think we have great connections. Um, I think we all work very well with with each other. You know. Yeah, we can get it done for of sure. Of course, man. Of course, it's gonna be a great twenty twenty. Hundred percent. Hundred. I mean, twenty twenty one. No, I think I think I think it's gonna be a good second half of the year, man. Yeah, I, th uh, I think, think it's gonna fourth be great. of July, everything is gonna be open. That's what they're saying. I you don't know, believe anybody though. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, just like they opened up flower shops on Mother's Day. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, especially on Mother's Day when they decided that they're gonna open up the flower shops. I thought that was interesting. I went to two flower shops. I waited in line, and uh, uh, one of the ladies in front of me. She asked the florist, she was like, hey, um, uh, are these the prices for the for the roses? 
And then the florist turns around and says, oh, we actually don't have any more flowers. While there's a group of people waiting in line. Nice. And the lady was like, so why wouldn't you say something? Why wouldn't you tell us there's no more flowers? Why are we still waiting in line for this? So it turned into an Armenian uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's exactly what it turned into. I thought it was hilarious. But it I mean, It's always every interaction at an Armenian store is the best. <laughs> I just go there to see what's popping. Yeah, yeah, I don't even need stuff. I just go there to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely interesting, and like most of us in line were like, "Really, really, you're gonna make us wait in line, and then you're gonna tell us that there's no more flowers while we're waiting in line inside the store?" I just thought that was crazy, man. That's that's how we do it. <laughs> I love us. <laughs> we're the best. Yeah, we are the best. So I've been hearing Fourth of July as the date that they want to reopen, and. Anybody I talk to, I've talked to at least like four people that work at hospitals. They're saying their hospitals are empty. There's no patients. The people that were doing elective surgery or have any minor issues that would normally come to the hospital are not coming to the hospital. So the receptionists and stuff are not being called to work because there's nothing to do. There's only 12 patients on one floor. The nurses aren't being called in because there's no patients to see. And none of the hospitals are being overrun, like they said. So, I mean, we give give whoever you want credit. We flattened the curve. We didn't use the giant ship, which is, <laughs> I mean, precautions. That's fine. We were ready. Yeah. Well, the, when I had my kid a few weeks ago, I was at the hospital. They didn't let me leave. So, for three days, we were there. Uh, the maternity ward was obviously empty. They weren't allowing any guests. But when I would go to the cafeteria on the other side, um, it was honestly empty. Uh, there wasn't many people there. And then on the ER side, when I would take the kid to the pediatrician after we left, it was they had tents uh, set up in front of the ER, multiple tents with police officers and nurses and doctors. But again, it was empty. The parking lots were empty. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I know... People aren't going to the ER anymore for things that they normally would because they don't want to catch the virus. So I think that's what's um, bringing the hospital busyness, I guess you could say, down. Yeah, that makes sense. But the it remains the fact that the hospitals are not overrun and people can, should be able to go outside. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think what they're doing is they're afraid that once they do release everything, there's going to be a lot more ER visits, a lot more people coming in. Just but like there used to be. I mean, exactly. That's, that's how it. That's how life is supposed to work. Yeah, like before, if I've ever been into an ER room, which I've been in a few times, I mean, it's packed. Like uh, not during the virus, but last year when I I took my nephew to the ER because he broke his wrist, it was packed. Yeah. Um, when I took my wife to the ER once again last year, it was packed. So that's it's kind of weird, man. I try to go to urgent care, the one in Burbank. That's a good one. I think a lot of people should go to urgent care because a lot of people, I think they're a little bit dramatic with, with small injuries. They think they need to go to the ER and get it fixed right away. Yeah. But When Hike busted his face open, we took him to urgent care. We didn't take him to the ER. Yeah, and that's why that's he's, cool. a tough kid. he's a tough kid. <laughs> <laughs> kind of has no choice. Yeah, but it, it's interesting, man. I guess we did flatten the curb. Uh, yeah, if something's going to happen, we have room at the hospitals. Yeah, and I think testing has gone up like crazy, daily testing. I think they're doing um, over a million tests a day. That's what they're capable of doing right now. I mean, you got tested, right? I got, I did that uh, antibody test, but yeah. I don't think it was real. 
<laughs> why, now why that not? I remember, they I gotta just, hear this. They just took a blood test, and you know. Oh, yours was a blood test. Yeah, it wasn't see? like a, a swab or no anything. Swab. Some was that really? And it was one of those um, shopping center drug testing places. Okay, all in one. I think yeah. there was a. I think they had PO boxes in there too. Hold on, did they tell you right away, or they? You said they emailed you ten minutes later. They did a blood test on you, and then ten minutes later they yeah, told man, you. Yeah, man, twenty twenty technology is insane. I mean, I don't know why they didn't use a cotton swab. <laughs> because they probably didn't have the test. They were just trying to make 85 bucks. <laughs> That's how much it cost you, right? Yeah. I remember when the virus first came out, uh, the whole pandemic happened. There was companies charging upwards of like $250 to get in mail-in tests. Remember that? I think I sent you a few links before. It was uh, They were out-of-state companies. Really? Yeah, they were just trying to milk people. And I don't even think they were approved by like the FDA or the CDC. To, to actual be actual COVID-19 tests, home kits. FDA. Yeah. FDA is a bullshit. Yeah. It, FDA is trash. FDA is trash. Yeah, they pick and choose who they want to approve. Well, the FDA, you don't really need to get anything. It just goes, if you were approved like 40 years ago on something. Yeah. They just take that approval and then they just. Renew it. Keep renewing it through new versions of the drug. So they don't even test the new ones anymore. Yeah, and they're I think so overwhelmed and backed up. There's also like a bunch of loopholes from what I hear through the FDA. There's loopholes and everything from what I've gathered in 36 years. <laughs> that yeah, there is. There is. Can't deny that. <laughs> There's always a way, right? There's there always is, a way is. as long as you don't give up. Which uh, goes on to my next topic that I'd like to talk about. Oh, you have a topic list? I I got one that I specifically want to talk about. Today. I want to hear it. All right, it's about this uh, get-rich-quick things that are going on on social media. Stop talking shit, man. I'm trying to get rich. <laughs> it drives me crazy, man. I think uh, a lot of people give out a lot of misinformation online to people who are trying to hustle and trying to make money, and I think people need to start fact-checking, man. I think people look at stuff on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and all these other social media platforms, and... They get tricked. They they have conversations about something they saw on social media from someone that they don't even know who posted this and they just think it's motivational. But it's like, dude, check the facts, man. You know, when they talk about Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, all these people, you know, I think uh, there's just one rule to all this. There's one rule to success and I think it's working hard, man. That's it. I mean, I get it. Some people do need the motivation. I 100% agree with that. But I don't believe in spreading misinformation about CEOs and companies and so on and so forth. Like I read a few books on Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and so on and so forth. And when I see some of this information that's being posted on social media. Like what? It's just uh, um, like bullshit backstories. Oh, okay. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, this person did this and he did that and this and then he became this. It's just, I don't think so, man. I've read about these people. I don't mind the bullshit stories. Whatever it takes anybody to motivate. As long as there isn't any... You're not charging people for the bullshit. I mean, some people are. There's dudes out there that they sell you these bullshit success success classes. You know? Okay. Hey, pay me $100. Come try my online course about flipping houses in California on real estate. Like, I don't know, man. So here, So here's my thing about that. The guys that have reached that level where they can teach and they want to charge, they see themselves as an expert 
in that stage. And if they've accomplished anything, if they've made a little bit of change, they have something to teach, I think. And it's just a, on the person that receives it. Yeah, I guess you, you got to be smart enough to go through the bullshit. But there's been some of these guys have been caught in their lies saying like you didn't do any of this. You weren't successful in any of this yeah. and you're selling people. Uh, what do you call it? I don't know, selling them like water or something, you know, it's well, you're right. The hard work is absolutely the number. There's no shortcuts. Um, of course, there are a few exceptions to everything, but that's not the rule. Ultimately, that's not the rule. You don't just get lucky. You don't just yeah it's, there's no shortcuts it's all hard work Execution. it's a lot of failures it's yeah. a lot of you just need to put the time into it like ten thousand hours like gladwell says mm-hmm. in outliers exactly just put your time into it and you just learn whatever it is you're doing you just figure it out it comes to you it's not like i remember when i was studying for the lsat the first few days the first few weeks I, I just didn't understand anything. Why is this not making any sense to me? Yeah. And then the instructor told us that it's going to click, guys. Just hang in there. Don't Keep get ahead going. of yourself. There's these engineers that don't know what they're going, going to need in step 10, right? But that doesn't stop them from creating steps 1 through 8 because they'll deal with number 10 when it gets there. When, when they get to that stage, they'll deal with the 10th, that they'll create what they have to. Yeah. You don't worry about the future. You just got to put in the hard work and just put your time into it. Like, listen, uh, I'm all about improving yourself and making progress in your life, like 100%. I think I think that's one of the most beautiful things in, in making success is the progress, right? Because it takes years to, to get from one place to another. Or, you you know, you might get lucky and it might happen right away. It just depends on your situation. But um, I'm all about the self-help thing and, and trying to improve yourself and being self-aware. I read a book recently. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, super, super good book. And I, I'm not a, really a fan of self-help books anymore like I used to be, but this one I just had to read. I thought it was really great. Um, and he just talks about inserting a short short time into habits to build up for long term. So let's say let's say you want to work out. He wouldn't recommend jumping into it an hour a day at the gym, six, seven days a week. What he says is, hey, listen, you want to work out? Do it for one minute a day at your house every single day for two weeks. After that two weeks, bump it up to five minutes. It's just small things like that, I think, help with bringing in better habits, you know, not just jumping into something right away or uh, making a super drastic change into your life, trying to build a good habit. I don't think things like that work. I think it's... It's just well, small, small habits. Well, every one of these guys has their own approach. There are guys that are equally as successful as this guy you're talking about. And their approach is a little different. A little like, different, Jump yeah. in. Like, I'm the type of person that just jumps in. Yeah. When I want to start something, I just start it because I know how I am. That one minute a day doesn't work for me. I need an hour. I'm serious. And you know how I yeah. operate. You're, so, you're obsessive. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I think there is there are the exceptions like that. I think the book is for like general, right? You know, so the ones that do need the motivation, exactly. that are struggling, the ones that that have a hard time of building good habits. Mm. I think those are the people to be useful for. Like again, you are the exception, and there's plenty of, not plenty of people like you, but there, but there is, a, I think, a small percentage of people that are just they just get it going right away. Yeah. I'm all about the motivation, though. As I've, I was talking to one of my friends recently, it's just good to be reminded every so often, even if you don't need it. But it's just like a muscle. 
if you don't work out, you're going to get flat. Yeah, if you one, don't work out your brain, you're going to get flat. And your motivation, you might get caught up doing other things. You just need to constantly get motivated. Some people need it. Some people are just too busy to get motivated. Yeah, 100%. I agree. As long as, as long as the motivation and the information is being put out there correctly with the correct info, I think that's the most important part. I just... Some of the stuff that's put out there is just its just weird to me, man. Stop lying, assholes. Yeah, stop lying. Stop giving people false hopes, man. Just stop. Stop doing it. This is the jam right here, man. ASAP. The weather call. The weather so chill, chilly, really penguin feather road. Cause I'm sipping pro. Yeah, that met this pro. Pro met the zine. Yeah, stepping stone. Oh, they acting up. Get your weapons wrong. They only killing time. Another second gone. I heard your man at home. Now you melatonin. But you acting young. Awesome as Chris D'Elia was talking shit about Quibi. Yeah, he was talking shit like we were. Yeah. Like, dude. Dude, kids have already got it figured out. Like, <laughs> they're on that TikTok shit, YouTube. They don't, they don't need your shit. <laughs> oh, hold your phone like this. Oh, hold your phone. He's so good. I've seen him live in San Francisco. He I've was- never liked him live. He's gotten a lot better over the last four years. We saw him once at the Laugh Factory. We were upstairs, me, Tico, Arox, and Tico's wife. We were upstairs because you know how we do it. Yeah, I know. Brian Callen and <laughs> Brian Callen. I didn't know that's what their names were. I didn't know that's what their names were. I just thought he was the guy from Mad TV hanging out there. And the lo- long-haired guy from Whitney was there. Okay. Whitney, not a funny show. Yeah. He hates when people recognize him from Whitney. <laughs> yeah, so we saw him there at the... There's a lot of those comedians at the comedy store. They're all just hanging out there. Yeah, I think I think that's where they get their big breaks, right? I think they hang out and try to get different spots, and that's I think, where they practice. Yeah, I was about to I, say that's where they they I, practice their jokes. I took a photo with Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, that guy's great too. Uh, Eric Griffin from Workaholics, he was there too. Arak said um, these guys aren't that big of a deal. While you were passing Sebastian, right? Yeah, she said <laughs> she's like, "Hey, you want a photo?" I'm like, "Nah, I don't do photos," <laughs> but she made me, and it was cool. Yeah, the yeah. Other, she offended the other guys. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait till it opens up so we can go to comedy. Remember store. how many times we were trying to go Tuesday nights? Yeah. And how many times we didn't go? Yeah, well, I told you. Yeah, well, they you. kept on selling out. <laughs> I don't think that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, last uh, year uh, during Galax's treatments, yeah, we would go there at night because the kids were at grandma's house and if she was feeling like shit. Yeah, we'd go down to the comedy store. It was awesome, man. That's that's so cool. So man. funny. So good. <laughs> so good. All right, so that's the end of the program. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was nice to have you here, man. Yeah, it's 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 great, man. Congratulations yeah. on the kid. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. That's baby number two. Congratulations on being on um, Ryan's Roses. Come Thanks. on, man. I hope that thing really works out for you guys. Come on. I know you guys are struggling over it. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's Roses. <laughs> Gonna be fun. We're gonna be delivering tacos instead of roses. That's yeah. just thinking. Cheating ass motherfucker, here's a taco. <laughs> Who are you sending it to, fool? <laughs> yeah, it was great. This was great, man. We gotta, we gotta do it again. Let's do it. Let's do it, player.